The, the awareness raising of trauma is extremely critical, extremely important. But everything that's important and good comes, sometimes comes with a cost. You are listening to The JP Show, where we discuss the issues you care about from a Jewish perspective. I am Rabbi G. And I am Rabbi Levy. And we hope you enjoy this episode. I am Rabbi G. And my opening message today is on the topic of trauma. Over the last number of decades, lots of research has gone into this topic. And it's become a very, very important idea to raise awareness. One of the reasons it's so critical is because it explains often the root cause to many areas of dysfunction, such as depression, anxiety, addiction, other forms of dysfunction, which sometimes can be traced and very often are rooted in traumatic experiences, previous traumatic experiences. And the first thing maybe to highlight, taken from the research, there's some really, really famous ones like uh, Bessel van der Kolk, the author of The Body Keeps Score, or Gabor Mate, and so on, who have all tried to define what trauma is, what can be done about it, and the healing process. So let's start with what is trauma, just to summarize. There are two types of trauma. One is a significant event, a one-off significant event, which is so terrifying or so out of the normal that it can induce trauma and the effects of trauma. Things like a soldier's experience in war, things like uh, a very, very bad accident, things like rape or sexual abuse, things like violence that a person has experienced. All those things are traumatic experiences that even a one-time event can bring about the, the condition of trauma. The other one is what they call in the um, literature complex trauma. Complex trauma are less significant events, but they happen repeatedly. They happen over time, particularly to children from the birth until the, about the age of 15. Things like neglect, things like anger, constant anger, th things like humiliation, things like detachment. There's a lot of research how important attachment is to children to be connected and attached to their parents. And when that doesn't happen, um, even at a very young age, even before full consciousness is developed, that can have a traumatic effect later on. So these are things which are less significant events if they happen once, but over time they can have a negative effect, a traumatic effect. There's a third type of trauma, which I'm sort of half saying tongue-in-cheek, because actually it's not trauma, it's really just stress. Um, stress is not trauma. Stress are things that happen one time or happen sometimes, and they go away, and they're not necessarily traumatic. And I'm saying that because when something becomes very comfortable to talk about, often we abuse it, and there are instances where things are put down to trauma, and they're not really trauma. Let me give you an example. Um, let's start with the example of parenting. Parenting, no one is perfect. Those listening, if you're going to be parents, I guarantee you, you're not going to be a perfect parent. And in my rabbinic counseling, I hear much too much of adults blaming everything, all their problems, all their dysfunction on their parents because their parents weren't perfect parents. Now, of course, there's ne real neglectful parenting, there's abusive parenting, there's violent parenting, all of that is of course traumatic and very, very toxic. But not every parenting situation is like that, and no one is perfect. So when you have a parent who bring up children, for example, and the basics are there, such as 
you know, there's structure, they're functional, they're provided for, there's basic love, and the home is more or less a functional, positive home, positive environment. But maybe they didn't give the proper praise or they didn't give the proper attention or there was a relationship tension, a, a clash between one of the parents and the children, and so on and so forth. That is not abuse. That might be stressful. It could bring about a bit of pain. It's not stressful. It's called life. It's just life. And the other thing is like something goes wrong at work or in a relationship, something is going a little bit wrong. That is not that is not trauma. That is just life. And going back to parenting, again, we, we are all, none of us are perfect. And I don't, I'm not a perfect parent. My parents weren't perfect. And my children are not perfect parents. And their children are going to be perfect parents. So that's important to understand. That's why I'm mentioning the awareness of the third type of trauma, which isn't trauma. And we should be careful not to conflate the two. Important, real trauma is very important to be addressed, to be acknowledged, and to be treated. But stress, we just need to take responsibility and learn the strategies of life, basic life. So... What does trauma do? Trauma has a big effect on the body, and one of the effects it has, of course, is what they now recognize as a condition called PTSD. With significant trauma, PTSD can bring flashbacks, um, can bring um, nightmares, can bring extreme panic, and all kinds of different conditions that are triggered by very small things. Someone can say something and trigger a memory of the traumatic experience and the person go off the handle, um, and, and things like that. And that's a real condition, and, and be, people can become dysfunctional when they're experiencing PTSD, and of course that needs to be addressed. With complex trauma, often it results in things like very, very low self-esteem, um, which can bring things like addiction and, 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 and other dysfunction, um, feeling of being feeling of unsafe, not liking to be touched, not being able to make proper connections with people. These are all things that can be outcomes of complex trauma. Now, I want to um, just share with you, as we, as we go forward, uh, a bit of a Jewish perspective that is important to bear in mind, um, because the danger of something that we raise the awareness of, which is very good and very important. I cannot, I cannot emphasize that enough. The, the awareness raising of trauma is extremely critical, extremely important. But everything that's important and good comes, sometimes comes with a cost. Because as we get comfortable with the word trauma, and as we get comfortable with talking about trauma, people, human beings, are often prone to misuse things or abuse things. And sometimes we blame things on trauma that don't need to be blamed on trauma. So let me just give you a couple of thoughts on that. Um, there's many times there's areas of dysfunction or weakness in our personality or in our life experience. And is it a mistake? It's a mistake to blame everything on trauma. Not every dysfunction is rooted in trauma. We need to, like I once read somewhere where someone says that every addiction is an outcome of trauma. Now, addiction can certainly be an outcome of trauma, and one of the reasons for that is because uh, trauma induces a lot of pain, and sometimes to escape that pain and to find a less, a more pleasurable experience, people find that safety in their trauma. As the famous saying goes, the addiction is not the problem. For the addict, the addiction is the solution. Uh, the pain is the problem. So that is all true, but not always true. Sometimes addiction can come because a person is born with a low self-esteem or a person is born with a personality weakness. And let me just explain that from a Jewish perspective. We know that we are all born with a 
godly soul and an animal soul, as explained in the famous book of Tanya. The godly soul is what inspires meaning, purpose, selflessness, altruism, living for a higher cause, living with values. The animal soul that we have is exactly that. It's animalistic and impulsive. And it arrogant and, it, and it's, it's where our ego lives and it brings about things like jealousy or anger or, or, or temptation to, to be indulgent, overindulgent or lust or any of the personality weaknesses that we, that we experience. And we all have a different animal. We all experience different personality weaknesses and that is okay. That is fine. Um, and we need to take responsibility for those. We each have a journey. Part of life is struggle. Part of life is struggling with our insecurities or our, or our weaknesses, which we can take responsibility for and work with it and overcome it over time. It's a journey. But not necessarily. There are many, many people that grew up in very functional situations that never experienced real trauma and yet suffer from some of these struggles. And that's fine. One has to sift out what is trauma and what isn't. But it's important to realize not to blame everything on trauma, something perhaps we'll discuss at greater length at another time. The other thing to remember is that people don't only have one need. So let's go back to, for example, this idea of attachment. It is critically important that children are attached to parents. It's critically, therefore, important that parents love their children, hug their children, kiss their children, remain connected to their children from day one. Very, very important. However, Children have other needs. So give me give you an example. If, if a, uh, a child, even a very young child, cries for 30 seconds, nothing's going to happen. I did read once that you must never listen to those people who tell you that if, you cry, if your child cries, it's okay, because no, it's not okay, then, then it induces trauma. If a child, even a young child, cries for a few seconds, nothing's going to happen. But more than that, when a child grows a little bit older, let's say two years old, there are other needs, not just love. There are other needs that the child has. One of them is to learn self-control. One of them is to learn frustration tolerance. One of them is to learn um, discomfort. You know, life is not about always being comfortable, although some people today think it is, but it's not always about being comfortable. It is about learning to be discomfort. So when a two-year-old doesn't get what they want and they lie down on the floor and they throw a tantrum or they just start crying, we don't have to rush and panic and pick them up. If they cry for 20 minutes, not only is it okay, but it's probably a good thing. It's not such a bad thing for them to throw a tantrum into, as long as they're safe, obviously, right? As long, as long as we're giving lots of love besides that, and as long as we're very attached to them. There are other things that they need to learn as well. It's not only about love. It's also about self-control. It's also about learning how to overcome tantrums. It's also learning about frustration, tolerance, and discomfort. So that's a really, really important thing to put trauma and its importance and the importance of its awareness in context. And when it's trauma, it's trauma and trauma has effects and we need to deal with it and we need to address it and we need to apply the, the strategies of healing. But we also need to know when it's not just trauma and when we take responsibility and we take proper responsibility without blaming it on any traumatic experience when it wasn't really trauma and not to, not to make it the only cause and the only thing that needs to be addressed. <clears throat> Life is a puzzle and life has lots of components which are all necessary and all need to be addressed in a holistic way altogether. So that's some of the ideas. And now we're going to invite Rabbi Levy to contribute to the discussion. Okay, Rabbi Levy, what do you think? All right, a lot of discussions about uh, parenting here. 
don't know if I should disclose too much here about uh, how I was parented. We might get into that a little bit later. But anyway, but uh, nevertheless, you mentioned... For those who don't know, Rabbi Levy is my son. That's right, exactly. Um, for 31 years. So... You mentioned something about leaving a baby to cry for, for or a child to cry for, for a half hour, and that's okay. Um, I was just thinking, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, you know, is there a difference between a three-week-old baby and a two-year-old baby? I think a three-week-old baby, first of all, obviously, if they're hungry, you probably shouldn't leave them for a half hour to cry. Uh, you probably should feed them, and you know, you can't really discipline a three-week, six-week, three-month-old baby. I think what, what, what you were saying is perhaps more correct when you're talking about like a two-year-old or a three-year-old when you're already educating them and you're already trying to teach them resilience, patience, to think about other people. You know, it's okay if something important needs to be done to let a two-year-old have a tantrum for, for a few minutes. I think it's actually, as you, as you were saying, I totally agree. I think it's, it's, it's not, that's not a traumatic thing to do to the child. On the contrary, you're teaching them not every time you want something, you need to get it right away. I think when it comes to a baby, um, perhaps that's where maybe the, 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 the detachment theory is probably more, more, more appropriate and probably more correct, where a baby actually does need you. Like, they actually can't wait. A, a baby who's hungry, you can't make them wait an hour. Like, it's just not really an option. Like, do, do, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. I'll just add one thing. Uh, no, thanks for that clarification. I think that's, that's, that's definitely true. Although I just want to add one point to that, and that is, even with a six-week-year-old baby, um, parents shouldn't be ridden with this guilt because they read in a book that if a baby lies for 10 minutes, they're going to suffer trauma. So I think even a six-week, you know, yes, you should, a six-week-old baby, one should pick them up soon and one should give them over overdose of hugs and kisses and so on. But you know what? If you were really stressed out or you were just busy and you let the baby cry for 15 minutes, I... Especially if it only happens like once, yeah, in once in a while, three months, not like obviously not. I, I really don't think that all the child's problems when they grow up is going to be based that. on that on that trauma. Yeah, and no, I agree with that. I agree with that, and that's actually a perfect segue to what I was thinking while you while you were talking. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm in that stage of life of parenting. Um, thank God, I've been married for close to soon be nine years. Uh, we have four children, Liai Nara, and. Um, and parenting is, is not easy. And I think in general, especially, I think this is probably especially true with mothers, but I think it's true in general with parents, there's a lot of guilt in parenting. I think, I'm not sure if this was prevalent in your days. I mean, you know, you know you're only one generation before me. It's just a lot of guilt. Um, people beat themselves up like, I'm not spending enough time with my child. Am I doing this right? Am I doing that wrong? And I think some of that, not, not all, I think there's a natural guilt that uh, parents have. I think especially Jewish parents is certain like... Uh, overwhelming guilt that parents have. But I think some of that is coming from this, the, this notion that if you did one thing wrong, like your child will be scarred for life. And therefore, our parents are actually terrified to, to ever make a mistake. What would, you like to, what would you like me to feel guilty about uh, in your parenting? That's a good question. I have to think about that one. This is, maybe there's too many things to list. But no, just, just kidding. Um, but, I, but I think that there's many issues with that. First of all, I think you know, what you were saying People are not perfect. There's no such thing as a, as a perfect parent. Um, as you were saying, people listening, your parents weren't perfect, your grandparents weren't perfect, you won't be perfect. You know, this idea that, like, I'm traumatized now because my parents weren't 100% perfect parents, but I am going to be the perfect parent is just silly. It's just, it's just ridiculous. No one's going to be a perfect parent. And again, obviously, just to 
because it's very important to clarify, like you were saying, there is actually something called neglectful parenting. A parent who hasn't hugged their child consistently, a parent who doesn't obviously feed their children and provide them with basic love and basic you know, care, that's obviously a form of abuse, and that is traumatic. But we're talking about just regular life, parents are busy, you weren't always 100% there for your children. We're going to be exactly the same. And, and I think we have to diminish the guilt a little bit. People shouldn't feel that pressure sort of to be perfect in any area of life, actually, but especially in parenting. And I think just to segue a little bit into a different topic, really, but it's connected. Before you do that, can I just clarify something? I, think, I just want to add to what you said, which, yeah. I, think is, which I think is is really good. I mean, I think, yes, there are things we can do that will damage our, our children, but also two things need to be considered. First of all, there's some basic parenting structures that we have to aspire to. Aspire to, I mean, not always get them perfect. So what I mean, for example, is we need to try and make the home a happier place because, you know, the Talmud says that when you instill unnecessary fear into the home environment, it damages the, it damages the family. Um, anger, the Talmud says, anger will, will damage the family, uh, constant anger. Anger in general is a terrible An- thing. Anger in general is yeah. a terrible thing. We need to provide safety for our children. They need to feel safe. And they need to feel loved. And they have to have their basic needs taken care of. However, we shouldn't beat ourselves up if it's not done the entire time. If we get angry once once in a while, we're all human. And it's right. not. And life is a journey. I think, right. you know, and life is a journey. Besides for very few righteous people, none of us are going to die perfect. Exactly. And that's not what Hashem wants. And the same thing with basic, you know, we have to provide for our kids. But does that mean if once in a while we're not in the mood of cooking a meal and we open up a can of tuna that... They're going to be traumatized. No, in fact, it might not be a bad thing for a child to know that it's not, not always, always a, you need a five course. It's not always yeah. a gourmet dinner, Correct. right? So yeah, so there there are things we should work on. We should never think coming away from this that oh, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. In principle, it matters. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be perfect. Providing for the needs doesn't need to be perfect. Not safety and calmness doesn't need to be perfect. Because let's face it, we're not all calm, and we you know, and, and sometimes things are a bit chaotic, and that's okay as long as we know what our priorities are. And what we always work towards. I think also, I think you know, if the general atmosphere of the home is, is good and healthy, a child knows their parents love them. You know, uh, children can be forgiving. I think you know they they they, they will forgive you for once in a blue moon screaming at them because we're human and we scream at many people, and this is what happens, right? We're we're not uh, we we, all, we 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 lose it from time to time. But I just sort of to take this into another area of life, and I think the impact of this is that many times I think what happens when people get married, um, you know, they invest in their marriage at the beginning and, and, you know, there's a lot of love and they spend a lot of time with each other and they invest in each other. And then when they have children, I think this is an extremely common thing, the marriage sort of takes a backseat. Um, and I think, now there's only reasons for that. I think just practically life is very hectic. Nowadays, especially many homes, both parents are working and the, 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 you know, the school and there's this and there's that and it's, life is very, very hectic. And to add to the mixed marriage, it's another thing in your life you have to take care of and obviously it's difficult to fit everything in, right? But perhaps some of the issue here is this aspiration of being a perfect parent or at least what we think in our minds being a perfect parent because let's say, for example, right, you, you take this attachment theory to the extreme. You can never leave your child alone, and if your child ever cries for you and you're not there for them that second, they're going to be traumatized for life, right? So if I want to go out for a date night with my spouse, which is a good thing to do um, consistently, it doesn't necessarily be at night, but the bottom line is you need to make time for one another. Um, and because of that, your child will be left alone. I think many parents will be riddled with guilt. How can I do that? How can I, how can I abandon my child? Isn't my child my priority? Isn't this... You know, this should be my sole focus in life. 
showering my child with love 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, my spouse is, you know, they're a grown adult. They, you know, I, I, would, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but I think that, number one, it, it's, it's terrible for your marriage. And actually, ultimately, I believe it's bad for your children because, now, obviously, it's always have to be sensitive. I think, you know, not everyone's living the ideal life, and obviously many people are single parents, and, that's, and I'm sure they're doing a wonderful job. But the, the, the ideal for a child is to grow up in a home with, with you know, where, where they see parents who love each other, who respect each other, right? And that's, that, that provides tremendous safety for a child. There's a lot of research in this, and, and uh, that's such an important thing if, if you're a two-parent household to provide that feeling of, of first of all, you're modeling love and respect, but also they, they feel happy when they see their parents are loving each other. And, and the only way parents can continue to love each other and respect each other is if they spend time with each other and invest in that marriage. What, what, what are you... No, so what you're really saying is that even if your priority is your kids, well, then you have to have a good marriage because the good marriage will affect, in a good way, in a positive way, your kids. And there's no question. If I can bring it back to trauma, I mean, you know, I've been doing a lot of studying and, and reading on trauma because... Sort of, we're doing the series, and and and, and I've been giving I've been giving classes on trauma. And one of the interesting things of research is what type of things affect and bring trauma to a child. Is you know, and unfortunately, this happens sometimes. But a, a messy divorce, yeah, actually is a traumatic experience for a child. One of the things children need is safety. And you don't need to be a scientist for this, but it's a, it's an obvious thing that a, a safety, especially for a young child, the safety anchor for a child is their parents. When children see their parents fight, or not get on with each other, or not love each other, that affects them negatively. I mean, if it's at some low level, it's not always trauma, but but it is. Right. A bad and obviously, as we we're saying, no marriage is perfect either, and everyone shouldn't beat yourself Correct. up so if again, marriage is not. Like, right. you know, that's, exactly. That's also, that's also true. Exactly. Yeah. But there's no question. I mean, we know that the Talmud is full of one of the the greatest priorities of um, a home is the concept that the Talmud calls Shalom Bayit, peace in the home, and Shalom Bayit starts with peace between parents. Now. Don't get me wrong, of course, the, the Torah also provides for dissolving a marriage. And of course, we're not cases. judging anybody who's in that situation. That's Correct, that's but, fine, but, the, that's, but yeah. there is a priority to yeah. create a safety home. The Torah tells us, the Talmud says that if a poor person has only enough money either to light the Shabbat candles or to light Hanukkah candles, Shabbat candles comes first because, without going into all the details, Shabbat candles it was designed to create that serenity in the home, to create that calmness in the home. Right. So, that's, that's, so I, think, I think you're spot on. First of all, marriage in itself is a priority because marriage is sacred. But also, if you're talking about preventing, strengthening children or preventing them from traumatic experiences, um, imperfect parenting, which leads to a better marriage, can sometimes actually create greater benefit for the children and their well-being. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not talking about putting your spouse before the safety of your children. Absolutely which, not. Uh, that's for sure not. Obviously, your children, you brought them into the world, they're your responsibility they are, in, in a way, your first priority to make sure that they're safe and healthy, obviously. But we're talking about going away for a weekend with your spouse, leaving your children with another family. You know, I, I, I remember, I mean, I remember, as a, and this didn't happen very often at all. Obviously, when you have a few children, it's very difficult to go away. But I remember growing up times that you went away uh, with mommy. And, and at the time, I was, I was just thinking about it. And, and like, did I love it? Probably not. But I think as a whole, as a whole, just growing up in a home with two parents who loved and respected each other, yeah, I did love that. That that that, that definitely provided uh, tremendous um, safety and security in my life. So I think 
I think that probably needs a different discussion about sort of immediate comfort versus the general picture. But it's also it's also connected, right? You know, just because right is, now they're not happy doesn't mean they're going to be traumatized for life. It could be actually their not happiness right now will lead to a better life. Sure, sure. No, I agree with that. And that is part, I mean, you're right, it is a discussion, but it is very important because it's part of a holistic approach. It's not just what happens now that's important. It's the general culture, the general journey that's so important and a lot of different components and building blocks that create the strength and the, the resilience even and the well-being of the child growing up or yeah. the people around us. So that's a, yeah, that's a fascinating comment and a bit of a segue into something a little bit different coming out of trauma. Yeah. But we bringing it back to the trauma discussion, we were discussing trauma and, and, and trauma is real. Um, I think the takeaway a little bit is that we trauma is real and we need to discuss trauma and in coming weeks in the series we'll discuss some of the healing processes and, and, and how we approach and how we build up resilience and learning perhaps from previous generations, some of them which were more resilient than we are and having a look at what works and what doesn't work. But the takeaway from today is also to remember that it's part of a puzzle and it's part of a general puzzle of life and that also to be aware that we shouldn't use the important discussion um, on trauma to belittle real trauma and to call everything else trauma and to use it as a blaming and an escape method because fundamental, again, particularly from a Jewish perspective, is that we are born with an amazing burden of responsibility for who we are, how we shape ourselves, and what our personality turns out to be. So yes, when it's real trauma, we actually have to use it and treat it and go through the healing process, but we should also be careful. And of course, no one should ever blame themselves for a trauma they've been through. No, 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 God forbid. Trauma, for sure. But, but, we, should also, but yeah. we should also know when it's not real trauma and we should take that responsibility. So, thank you. That's a great a Great discussion and we'll continue next week. Please, Please God. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Wishing everyone a great day.